Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Organizational Buy-in, Making Member Engagement a Top Priority. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on September 7, 2017. In this podcast, Roger Aminsky, the Director of Health Administration at Inland Empire Health Plan, and Gabriel Uribe, the Independent Living and Diversity Services Manager at Inland Empire Health Plan, discuss making member engagement a top priority. I'm going to provide a little bit of perspective, uh, information about um, Inland Empire Health Plan for just for perspective, and then I'm going to provide a very high-level uh, look at our consumer advisory committees. Gabriel's going to provide some details on that. And then it's going to come back to me. I'm going to talk about the Coordinated Care Initiative Advisory Committee, and then Gabriel's going to finish up with the Inland Empire Disabilities Collaborative. So why don't we move on to slide 22. Oh, actually, yeah, slide 22. So um, Inland Empire Health Plan, uh, we just celebrated 21 years of being as of September 1st. Uh, we are a nonprofit public entity, and uh, we serve over 1.2 million members in the Inland Empire, uh, which covers Riverside and San Bernardino counties, and that's approximately 25% of the entire population. Um, about 120,000 of those are seniors and persons with disabilities, and over 24,000 are duly eligible members. Our lines of business, uh, it's mostly um, Medicaid, which is called Medi-Cal here in California, and we also have are currently participating in a dual demonstration project, uh, the Cal MediConnect project, which is called IEHP Dual Choice Cal MediConnect. And uh, this demonstration project is in eight California counties. We serve two of those. To give you an idea, sort of the geography here in California, uh, Riverside and San Bernardino counties combined is roughly the same landmass as the states of Massachusetts. Uh, Vermont and New Hampshire. So next slide please. So our consumer advisory committees, we have uh, three of them, the public participation, uh, public policy participation committee, and that is a Medi-Cal contract requirement that uh, all the plans in California have. We also have the persons with disabilities work group. This is a work group that is not required but it allows us to provide focus on a population with special needs and also very high utilization. And finally, we have the Coordinated Care Initiative Advisory Committee. So this is required by our three-way contract with the Department of Healthcare Services and CMS, part of the DUALS demonstration project. Uh, DUALS eligible members participate in this committee, and they may come from uh, the PPPC or the PDW. And also, this is one of the important things to know about this is it's actually a collaboration with Molina Healthcare, who is the other health plan that provides uh, Medi-Cal uh, managed care in these two counties. So all three of these advisory com uh, committees report up to our governing board via our Quality Improvement Committee. All right, next slide, please. So uh, the objective and approach for these three committees. So obviously you can see on the slide, uh, develop meaningful beneficiary engagement, create dedicated beneficiary engagement team, and integrate beneficiary voice into the delivery system. 
So, you know, taking it beyond that, uh, Inland Empire Health Plan, our leadership really wants to make sure that we leverage these required CACs and uh, use those as opportunities to seek uh, innovation. So uh, this allows us to focus on meaningful policy and program dialogue and allows us to focus on feedback uh, from a population that utilizes the services at you know, roughly eight times more than the, the rest of the population that we serve. All right, uh, going on to slide 24, I'm going to pass it on to Gabriel now. All right, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon. Um, so for our, both of our committees, um, aside from meeting the contractual requirement, we, IHP took this as an opportunity to uh, innovate and uh, infuse um, uh, advisory committee perspective into all service, uh, services that we provide as a health plan. And we are committed to that by ensuring that uh, our key leaders in the organization are involved in listening to our members directly and embracing the concept of nothing about us without us in the three different um, work groups that Roger just mentioned. Um, Another component of this, I think, too, is, is that it's very important is that we have transparency in that communication between what the members are bringing forward to the organization as some of the needs and, and um, areas of improvement where the health plan can focus um, in their efforts and bring those up through the Quality Improvement Committee. Um, there's organizational and board visibility across the organization because these, uh, both of these uh, work groups, the PPPC and the PDW, um, not only include uh, individuals who are at high-level positions, but also staff and team members are welcome to participate. In addition to some community leaders like Independent Living, uh, uh, Independent Living Center, a uh, CEO uh, is invited, or also some of their staff members as well. So it's definitely a, a large effort to, to get buy-in from the members and the support stakeholders that, that are present there. Uh, currently for both of the uh, committees, uh, we invite about 15 or more beneficiaries, and they are selected uh, throughout the year. Uh, we advertise in different ways to attract members to apply for this, uh, uh, this committee, and we do that through our quarterly newsletters. Uh, we also have a very robust outreach team um, that uh, provides um, uh, or is present at a large community events. I believe we currently participate in almost 200 community events per year. Um, on, and that's basically every weekend of the year, except the hot, the hot summer months in, in California. Uh, we have uh, multiple uh, outreach uh, efforts out in the community. As Roger mentioned, we are in a very large, expansive area, uh, so we, it, it's important for us to have people in, in different areas, um, you know, directly communicating with members. Um, the other important thing I think is that the PPPC and the PW members do set the agenda for the items to discuss. So the health plan does uh, present several projects, initiatives that um, we are, you know, as we're working through them, uh, we ask for feedback. But we also give the, the, both of these groups the opportunity to share with us what are some of the important things that they would like to discuss and what's important and meaningful to them. And uh, we probably have a mix, about 50% uh, of, of you know, uh, suggested uh, agenda items from the PPC and PDW members, and about 50% from health plan initiatives. We also do provide interpreters at at uh, at all of our, our uh, work group meetings uh, to ensure that we are 
able to communicate effectively, and we also provide uh, transportation um, for our members as we are in a very large geographic area. So we saw that those two things were, were barriers and we addressed those uh, through that. If we can go to the next slide, in, under self-determination, um, you know, as, as we know, there's, there's been a big push to look at member holistic care and, and uh, also to, uh, you know, include some of the social determinants of health as we're working through our, um, our care plans with our members. And we believe that, uh, you know, with, with the PPPC, PDW, we are allowed to definitely continue that concept of member-centered care and allow uh, members that are subject matter experts in their own care to provide us with some of the uh, key um, barriers that they might be experiencing, um, address some of the disparities and ideas of how to mitigate those disparities. Um, we do have a pretty robust group um, within the organization that works directly with our uh, team members in different functional areas of the health plan um, that look for uh, mitigation of access, uh, uh, disparities that might exist across the organization, um, and that is done through our disability program that's integrated across uh, the organization. We also um, have a pretty uh, good team that um, works together in ensuring that communication, education, and also web accessibility of all of our um, uh, materials that are that are available to our members are available in an accessible format, even in our web platforms. And uh, we've leveraged our groups um, to, um, you know, give us feedback on how the accessibility of those platforms it works out for them as well. Um, as far as medical and pharmacy services as well, we, we uh, utilize the PPVC and PDW as a platform for us to discuss initiatives um, that um, have allowed us to care for uh, chronic diseases, uh, such as our diabetes pharmacy program. We um, currently have a large diabetes pharmacy program that uh, provides uh, home delivery of certain diabetes-related um, uh, pharmaceuticals and also diagnostic types of uh, equipment. Um, so what we did with, with that program is we made sure that we had a consumer um, feedback and also buy-in as we launched that program. And we found out that there were some situations where we needed to have some flexibility and something that was going to be a pretty uniform um, uh, approach to, to this uh, program. And uh, we built in uh, different flexibilities uh, to accommodate members' needs on that. Um, we can go to the next slide. Some of the outcomes that, that we've seen you know, in, in engagement in this, and I believe uh, Dr. Masters also kind of elaborated on this, is that we did see that the trust uh, between the health plan and, and, and the community definitely grows as we engage um, the community more. Um, we have had um, the opportunity to also take on some of the recommendations directly that are provided from this group. One of those was access to uh, member services via email. Um, in the communication side, many of our stakeholders um, did share with us that it was uh, somewhat cumbersome to go through the uh, member service process um, and, and, you know, over and over again as a lot of the members that are participating in our Persons with Disabilities work group do um, report to utilize services about eight times more than a Medicaid member. So dual eligibles, uh, people with disabilities accessing services at a higher level 
did find some barriers in communicating directly with the health plan. So as a result of that, we did work on an email communication strategy so that we can communicate directly with members. Um, we also developed a PIN system uh, for individuals with limited speech um, in the authentication process as they call in our member services uh, department um, so that we can bypass some of the uh, long scripted uh, security information that we had to do uh, at the beginning of each call. Uh, one of the other things too that, that, um, that we were very proud of is uh, we early on we, we identified, or a couple of years ago actually, we identified that there was a language issue within the urgent care setting um, or urgent care network. Um, and we brought this to the group uh, and we started looking at different uh, approaches to resolve this. And one of those was video interpreting, video remote interpreting at urgent care sites. Uh, because it becomes uh, somewhat difficult to have in-person uh, interpreters or language access for our members who speak sign language at these sites. And um, after discussion with the group and also with uh, local CBOs or community-based organizations that work with the deaf community, uh, we decided to go with a VRI uh, system approach to mitigate the access needs for, for language access needs at urgent care sites. As you know, we, you know um, there's a requirement to, to ensure that this is available in, in uh, emergency room uh, situations and also at the primary care sites. But the urgent care sites were kind of the um, the middle ground there where there was not clear guidelines there. So we addressed that uh, with the help of our uh, community engagement groups as well. As I mentioned also with our health education programs, we do also uh, work closely with our health education programs to make sure that our sites are accessible uh, for seniors and persons with disabilities and that the class material is also available in a way that uh, can be um, understood by, by individuals with learning disabilities. Um, we also review our annual member marketing strategy. And this is if you're looking at some of kind of also talking about uh, you know how do we how do we uh, work together to make sure that our messaging is culturally appropriate and beneficial to the community um, that we're serving. Um, one of the things that we do is we we do review our marketing strategy and our outreach initiative with those groups on an annual basis. And with that, I'll uh, go ahead and uh, send it over to Roger for the CCI advisory committee overview. Thank you very much. So the CCI Advisory Committee, this again is something that's uh, part of our uh, the, the um, duals demonstration project. It is a requirement contractually uh, to do this. Um, the purpose for the CCI Advisory Committee is for the stakeholders uh, to provide input and advice on programming, benefits, access to care, uh, the grievance process adequacy, and consumer protections. It also uh, allows for stakeholders to recommend mechanisms for outreach and education, and it uh, provides them the opportunity to give us feedback on uh, proposals that we have in terms of how to implement things uh, and in our policies, and also with, with legislation as well. So um, both IEHP and Molina established uh, this uh, CCI advisory committee jointly because we both serve the same people, uh, same community, it's got the same stakeholders. So it just seemed to make a whole lot of sense to both organizations to do this uh, together. Um, there is, uh, you know, like I said, a huge overlap in the stakeholders um, such as LTSS providers and the various service providers uh, that are at the table. 
and uh, it's provided a great opportunity for our members to see um, how both the health plans can work together, really focusing on the community that we serve. It's also been a great opportunity given uh, that you know we both serve two different counties. Uh, a lot of the programs are administered by you know, the same programs by two different counties. They have their own internal processes that are slightly different. We're two different health plans that have our internal processes that are slightly different. But getting everybody together has made it a lot easier for um, all of us collectively to serve people by uh, establishing mechanisms such that uh, as we or Molina are talking to, uh, say, a, a social worker that's in a, um, the, the MSSP program or the IHSS program, they don't have to be schizophrenic and try and remember, okay, it's this health plan, I've got to do things this way versus another way. We've got systems in place that um, very much mirror each other. And it goes the same way back. Um, we've tried to make sure collectively the two health plans working together to make sure that when our community partners are talking to us, they're doing it in such a way that um, they don't have to remember, oh, it's you know Molina or it's IEHP, we have to do things in a different way. So that's worked uh, really well in terms of uh, making things just operate a whole lot smoother for the community as a whole. Um, these uh, meetings are basically uh, set up uh, so that both the health plans and the chair uh, set the agenda. Uh, and the chair has always been uh, somebody that's either representing one of the stakeholder organizations or it's uh, one of the, the beneficiaries, either an IEHP or a Molina member that chairs the meeting. So uh, the meetings are also open. Uh, so public can come in, other stakeholders, people that are um, uh, not necessarily sitting at the table but have an interest in seeing how things work, uh, they, they are allowed to come in and participate. And there's also a section um, always on the agenda, we've got an opportunity for public comment. So we've had people that are either care providers or beneficiaries um, have the opportunity to come in and talk to us about you know, their perspective and maybe things that we might want to consider. Um, this process uh, allows us to identify um, the, the various needs of all the community partners that are together and how we can work together better. Um, we have uh, done um, on a regular basis sort of a, um, a process to identify uh, kind of in a fairly formal way uh, what are some of the, um, the barriers or the needs or the gaps that need to be filled. And we've created subcommittees to study and make recommendations in order to improve those things. So, um, why don't we go on to the next slide, 29. Uh, one of the things that has come out of the CCI Advisory Committee is uh, we created a website. And the initial idea behind the website was because we've got so many people that are on the committee that are geographically dispersed throughout these two counties was to have a method to easily communicate, share information just for the people who are in the committee. But it turned out to actually it expanded, and it's something that uh, the, whole, the public uh, uses. Uh, it creates uh, another level of transparency. Um, and you know, the great thing about that transparency, it really has worked to develop trust uh, amongst everybody um, in this uh, very large geographic area and a lot of different programs. It's 
really helped people to understand uh, what each other does and leverage the uh, various resources that are available because we all very much serve pretty much the same population and they all have, uh, well, they have similar needs and it's great for people to be able to then have uh, relationships with organizations, have people that they can call and, and get things filled, uh, gaps filled. So why don't we go to the next slide, number 30. So um, kind of talking a little bit more about the engagement with the, the county program. So there's uh, a number of different programs that the, the counties uh, administer that are related to the uh, duals demonstration project, uh, the multi-purpose uh, senior services program and the in-home support services program. Uh, those are both uh, 1950 waiver programs that are integrated into this. And one of the great things about the way the CCI uh, advisory committee has worked is it has really improved the engagement across those two waiver programs and also um, helps link them better to the CBOs that sit at the table, um, the health plans. You know, we've had uh, relationships with them for some time, but this has become more formal and has really helped us work out uh, some operational um, uh, workflows that have uh, improved the way uh, we can um, provide for the needs of our members. And then also uh, gives all of us uh, an opportunity to hear directly from our consumers and how the way we do things impacts uh, them and their lives and, and how service is delivered. So um, the Office on Aging, Adult Protective Services, those are also uh, people that are at the table and they are involved in this as well. So uh, next slide, slide 31. So also uh, you know, the, the engagement for the providers themselves. So there are a number of different CBOs that are at the table. Uh, this has improved, uh, having these discussions has improved the way we do uh, resource and referrals across the various programs. Um, one of the programs that's uh, another waiver program is a community-based adult services uh, program, which had been um, fairly robust in Southern California for a while, and then there were some challenges with that, and it changed. And uh, as it came back up into being with uh, sort of CCI at the same time, it has really assisted with um, us as health plans being able to uh, utilize those resources and then they have actually been able to, to do much better in terms of uh, getting resources available to them to, to ramp up and uh, provide a much needed uh, service in this area and has helped us keep people um, into lower levels of care that are much more culturally appropriate to them as well. Um, also, we've had the opportunity to learn some things about uh, some of the care plan options. Um, also, care plan options, it's, a, it's not a benefit, but we're encouraged to provide services to our members who, um, yeah, that could benefit from that. And one of the great things about the work that we've done here is that uh, we really haven't spent a whole lot of money on care plan options, yet we've been able to offer those because of the relationships that we have with CBOs that are able to meet those needs. When we go to the next slide. So as a result, you know, it's one of the sort of the bottom line things in terms of how this is working is that because of this engagement that we've had early on, um, even before we really rolled out uh, this dual demonstration project in the area, 
is that there's been pretty much no resistance uh, from, uh, you know, some of the advocacy groups that are prevalent in California that have been very uh, resistant to doing this. So we've really had no negative adequacy, and that's sort of shown, or, or excuse me, advocacy. That's really shown up uh, in the, the numbers. Uh, IEHP and Molina combined have a 44% enrollment rate in this, which is totally voluntary, uh, and that compares to a 28% state average. Um, together, IEHP and Molina in these two counties, uh, that adds up to 24.5% um, of all the CMC enrollees throughout the state in, in all the demonstration areas. Um, our communication between uh, our stakeholders has improved, and uh, it's really helped with our interagency care team uh, process. So um, improved participation, we've got improved efficiencies, and increased instances where issues are resolved and gaps filled without even a need for doing an ICT. So now I'm going to pass it on to Gabriel to talk about the English Acquired Disabilities Club. All right, and I know we, we're kind of pressed here for time, so I'll go very quickly through these. So. Uh, just very briefly, the Inland Empire, Inland Empire Disabilities Collaborative is just another, it's a group of uh, organizations that work closely with our senior and disability community in both of our counties. And it, it was an initiative that we did with one of our large uh, medical providers in the area and also an independent living center that allowed us to um, communicate directly with our members at a grassroots level. Um, for different services that they might be seeking through different community-based organizations. So we understand that we cannot really communicate with everybody in a formal setting as the PDW, PPPC, or CCI Stakeholder Advisory Committee. So we, we, we built this uh, organization that kind of serves as a chamber for us to, as a health plan to communicate directly with these organizations and in turn also communicate directly uh, with the members that we are serving uh, in common. Um, so. I know we don't have much time to, to address this, but what I can tell you is some of the results has been, you know, the trust, if we can go up to slide 39, please, uh, the trust that we've built over the years um, with, with this uh, group, or with these groups has been amazing, and it's been great, um, and we've been able to uh, provide resources directly to our stakeholders or to our members um, because of these relationships. And you can see the list of, of different things that, that, that we've been able to do from a care management perspective because of the communication that we have, not only with the, uh, the, the community-based organizations, but also with the members that we are speaking to and learning from um, as these CBOs uh, provide that feedback back to us. So with that, I'll go ahead and uh, give it over to the next speaker. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovation and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.